0: Hello there! We'd like to welcome you to the virtual kitchen table. We're Erin from Ever Learning, Ashley from Ashley's Mama and Storytime Shelves, and myself, Hayley, from Taking a Kinder Path. We're gathering for conversations about family life and home education, particularly unschooling, which is sometimes known as self directed learning, or as I like to call it, natural learning. We'll be sharing our experiences and ideas, learning as we go. We hope you'll pull a chair up to the table and join us. Hello,
1: everybody. Hello. Hello. So, okay, so today we are Hayley and we're Ashley, and then it's so great to have Kiki um, of Kiki and the Wildlings here again today. I think, uh, Kiki, we spoke, it would have been several months ago, and we were talking about—I can't remember the exact title of the episode—but it was the idea of home educating through um, just more difficult times. It's kind of through more challenging um, times. So it's nice to have you back again today. And we are talking about socialization, which feels like a big word to me <laughs> in the homeschooling world, in the, the home ed world. Um, and I think it's a word that people get tired of hearing probably. And, and I, but I also think it's a word that um, kind of binds people together because it doesn't really matter what philosophy you're coming from, like what framework you kind of see yourself as kind of within as far as home education. I think it's a common one that the idea that if kids aren't in school, um, how are they going to be, I guess, quote, socialized, and, um, and I know we've all kind of thought a little bit about what does that even mean? And so for me, I find sometimes people are asking about friendships, like how will kids have a social life? And sometimes people are maybe asking about some of those milestones, like sports teams or the prom or kind of those more monumental moments that that we kind of consider important in society. And then other times I think, like I know when my guy was just getting started my my eldest, I had more than a couple of people ask about things like like standing in line and taking turns and just those kind of um, social basic social skills that people think of, so anyway, I guess we can talk about that today, and I think we'll probably even dig a little deeper because I think a lot of that is all pretty nuanced and There are lots of pieces that people aren't even thinking about, I think, when they they talk about um, whether a child is socialized or not, if they they go to school. Now, I just found, um, I just looked it up again because I I had remembered a few weeks ago, Missy Willis uh, of Let Him Go Barefoot. She had put something on Instagram and she says, uh, what do you think people mean when they ask if homeschooled kids will be socialized? Uh, then she says, for me, as a former teacher turned unschooling mom, socialization is the ability to recognize and honor the unspoken social conventions and norms of a society. And then she goes on to give some examples. And I mean, one of those is the standard kind of waiting your, your turn in line. Um, but there's, uh, there are other things there, too, around being considerate and aware, um, impulse control. Uh, just participating, uh, like she says, participating in good faith trade for services and goods. And then she says, with this in mind, do you think the best place to learn socially acceptable behaviors is with the same age peers for six or more hours a day, five days a week for 280 days a year in a school setting? And she has, you know, she elaborates beyond that, but I thought that was kind of an interesting, um, like an interesting starting point and I believe that she. I'm just going to see if I can find something here. Sorry, I had I had it and then I lost it. I might have to come back to it. Um, but she had been doing something in partnership with um, uh, Anne. And I'm going to. Sorry, I'm really mixed up here. Anne from Inner Parent Coaching. So I'm going to. It'll take me a minute to find that. I think, but I will try to pop it back into the conversation. Um, so yeah, that, it's it's always interesting to me when I see people asking that question, because I'm like, what does it even mean? Um, and as my kids have gotten older, I've started to see like subtleties beyond what people are even probably thinking about, um, just as far as their ability to really kind of understand other people and um, even proactively, kind of expectantly set things in place. So one example that I know I've given is, you know, getting together with grandparents and predicting ahead of time, what somebody might enjoy um, and, and and really kind of being able to see things through their eyes as well. So yeah, I I find that um, the older my kids have gotten, the more nuances I've noticed. So I'm just interested in what comes to any of your minds when you think of socialization or social skills or the idea of children um, interacting in the world with without school as the framework.
0: It is funny I was thinking about this earlier about how when people ask you about socialization it's almost like they're asking you about a topic like it's a subject that we've that we've somehow got to teach and I mean, I guess I'll lay my cards on the table and you won't be surprised. I don't think about socialisation as a thing that we need to teach. I think of it very much like any learning, that it happens naturally as a consequence of our, our lives. And that, that, you know, when we're about socializing and about socialising and how to um, we have um, the national on the national curriculum um, in UK schools, we have um, PSHE, which I think is personal social health and economic education and I think when my kids were at school um it was P-H-S-E which was personal health social and emotional education so you know the the whole thing about building relationships and emotional awareness that is part of the school curriculum and I'm not saying at all that that's a bad thing I think it's great I think the, the more we learn about emotional literacy and building relationships and stuff that's good but it did make me think about um you know when when we think about learning to read and there's some you know there's some points of view of the fact that the more we formalize learning to read the more we've segmented it up into specific tasks that you do in a certain order the more pressure we put on kids to learn to read younger and younger at the same time we've kind of got this rise of of reading difficulties and i'm not saying those two things are necessarily connected or a cause and effect or anything like that but it kind of makes you think and I know that there is a point of view that if we taught walking and speaking like we teach reading then we'd have an epidemic of of walking and and speaking difficulties which is is just an interesting thing to think about really that that you know um yeah <laughs> that kind of just made me think actually it is a, a topic whereas i guess for me what, when I'm thinking about how I want my kids to be socialised, that I want them to be compassionate people, that I want them to care about other people, that I want them to be able to build relationships, take other people's perspectives, be kind, um, be enthusiastic, be trustworthy, reliable, all those kinds of things. I guess the best way I can think of for them to learn that is by experiencing that and having somebody in their lives that is trustworthy and caring and and I guess that that's, you know, that's how I'm hoping <laughs> um, and I've got and I've got adults and that I can see by looking at my adults that, you know, that that definitely they are compassionate and caring and kind. They're not perfect by any means, but, you know, I feel really proud and and, you know, they're you know, they're just um, they're definitely not people who aren't able to function in society. <laughs> if that makes sense you know they are they they have jobs and they have volunteering things that they do they run football team coach football teams and they you know they go climbing and they go out with their friends and they do all sorts of things so um yeah I'm rambling on sorry no
1: no I love that and it's actually really funny Haley, because I did find I finally found the, the quote I was looking for from um uh, parent Coaching, and it's, it's Ann Hansen, and that's that name was escaping me. And before I read it, I just wanted to say it reminds me of, um, so in our schools, there's a lot of like uh, anti-bullying assemblies and a lot of those sorts of trainings. Um, and in fact, I can't remember whether I was sharing it here or whether it was like a, a private online conversation um, about how one of our local libraries, I remember a couple of years ago, going in and they would change their front display, like depending on the month, right? So for May, you would have all kinds of different, you know, flowers and books about gardening. These were kind of like the family or the family or children or youth oriented displays. And then summer might have, I don't know, summer themed books and and on and on. And there had been this beautiful display in August, like this gorgeous summer display and, you know, And I went in the first week of what our school year is, which is just really early in September, and the whole display was bullying. And I was, I thought, wow, (laughs) like you know, they had all these different themes for each month. And for September, that's what came to mind is an entire display on, on bullying. I mean, some of it was maybe helping your child adapt or whatever, but it was all based around the idea that there was going to be some difficulty because like it was September. And so when you mentioned that about the idea of sort of like teaching social skills um, versus allowing them to happen naturally, it, 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 it makes me think a bit about this tendency to have all these books and publications about bullying and these assemblies. And I think there's actually, you probably know better than I would at the elementary level, but I mean, there's a lot built into the curriculum as well, I believe. And that's, I mean, it's not that kids might not be learning from those, but it's, it's just not the same as having those everyday experiences. And I think what you were alluding to, Haley, without putting words in your mouth, but that idea of having that secure attachment with key people and, and family people. So it, it doesn't matter how many facts you give somebody about social skills or bullying or any of those things. If you're not feeling like your cup is full, and if a child is not feeling, you know, safely and securely attached to family, they just aren't going to have the emotional resources to behave yeah. differently right or or yeah it's, it's not something you kind of learn intellectually anyway back to this quote i was looking for and then i'll and then i'll stop um so anne hansen says one of the biggest mistakes we are making in our society is placing the importance of education and early socialization in quotes over a child's secure attachment to a parent or caregiver from a young age most children spend more time with peers than loving caring adults we need to talk about attachment. And I thought that just really clearly um, illustrates a lot of what I what I feel. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that's really great and really important. And when I was thinking about what we were going to be talking about today, that's kind of what came to mind and even more so when you were both just sharing there. Um, and I, I wrote a couple notes because you guys know I'm writing notes as you guys share, always learning. Um, I wrote down like self-compassion, self-care, and where do our kids get those feelings from? Where does that come from? So I think about how it comes down to their attachment to us in the home and our relationship with them. And then that extends to extended family members and then even close friends in those relationships over time that they build and their confidence grows through having those strong, healthy relationships. And, it, and I want to emphasize that I think it can take, and it's different for everyone, but years, like it's a process, like as they grow, they're developing their self-awareness and there's all that self stuff, right? Um, but I think that ha- happens very much um, through those strong connections and relationships they have. And then they're able to go out um, feeling, like you said, Aaron, their, their cup is more filled up. And like you said, Haley, they're not. The idea and the goal is not that they become perfect and they go out and they always make all the right choices when they're socializing with others, but that you know overall they're feeling good, they're feeling safe. I really like how you use that word, but it does it. It all comes down, I think, anyway, to that attachment that we start. I mean, like that's the foundation, but it, it really takes years and then even ongoing. You know, those strong connections that we maintain with them, hopefully, throughout the years. Um, it's not like they get to a certain age and they need less connection, which actually reminded me of, and I, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but I don't want to forget to mention this. I haven't read this book in a while. Um, so I can't remember every bit of it, but it's reminding me of the book called um, Hold On To Your Kids. Hold On To Your Kids, Why Parents Need To Matter More Than Peers by Gordon Newfeld and uh, Gaber Mate. Um, I remember reading that and that was kind of, because I always got that messaging that, um, from different sources and different people and different conversations over the years, like the importance of kids being with kids and the importance of kids having friends. Um, and I don't disagree with that at all. Um, there's a lot of value in, in those friendships and developing the friendships and, and they learn through those. But when I read that book, I, it just was another one of those pieces where I was like, that makes a lot of sense to me that yes, while friendships and peers are important, our children's connection. And I can even reflect back to my younger self and thinking about my relationship with my parents versus the relationships I had with my friends and how that shifted throughout the year. And, and one thing it made me think of is like my parents were um, the constant, right? Like they were there all along, whereas friendships, even long ones, like most, mostly come and go. Um, so I just wanted to mention that, book because yeah, I'm thinking about today, I was really thinking about whether your children stay at home and homeschool or whether they go to school. Um, it's another one of those things where I think we can, we all, you know, we worry about how they are when they're with others or away from us or in their, in their friendships and, and whatnot. So again, whether they're in school or not, and I think many parents would probably feel that, um, their children's connection to them offers so much in that um yeah I had some other thoughts I really liked what you shared Haley, about um yeah just like learning to behave around others like in school and stuff too so I won't get into that too much but I think that's interesting as well so but I don't want to jump all over the place
3: yeah and I I was just going to say in terms of socialization. It's one of those things again that everyone assumes um school has got it right. And oh my goodness, how are you possibly going to compare to that? And obviously, like any other subject, it's um for me the beauty of home education is self-pacing and to experience through meaningful kind of connections with whatever it is. So whether it's sharing, you know, we they could go to school and have a day about sharing. Whereas naturally, when you're with your kids every day, it, it might just come up and it's relevant to what's happening. But I think it's those high expectations, as always, um, that our kids at the age of four have to suddenly come and conform to, to whatever those expectations are of socialisation. And actually, you know, our individual kids, some of them are amazing at, uh, you know, reading the room and understanding other people's emotions at a very young age. My my youngest from the age of three could kind of really empathise, which is unbelievable. My eight year old and just really understanding that. And I think it's that. So what I, I always find it when we say socialisation It's kind of how we can get along in the world. But unfortunately, and I know this is a bit controversial to some people, but for me, you know, at school, it's a synthetic world. It's not the real world. And so when we say, you know, that how we can try and I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying now, but I think it's just that we're out in the real world. And that's where you learn all real world skills, isn't it? And socialisation is one of those, whatever it is, whether we're talking about emotional, emotional kind of connections or social connections in terms of how we get along in the world. But um, yeah, I think it's just I just wanted to kind of make that, um, I guess, that point that it, I just think there's such high expectations and I like the fact that we can just natu- let our children naturally develop things and also play to their um their own unique being because some of us are grown adults like come on we all know people who are just terrible at being you know they just see it from their own point of view or they have they are um you know what's anti-establishment because you know or they hate the, what in our country or hate the tories or what, you know and they can be quite kind of blinded by bigger picture stuff because of their big views on something I don't know so I just think none of us are perfect are we and we're all going to have weaknesses and strengths and I love the fact that we can kind of nurture those and respect those by home educating I suppose I see it as a real like positive it's to, to me it's not at all like a concern um I feel like our kids are getting so much of real world thinking and emotions that it just doesn't even yeah, it doesn't worry me anyway,
0: I suppose. I think it's interesting what you say Kiki thinking about socialization in schools and and obviously schools have a job to do and schools are very different, you know, there are are, are wonderful teachers and wonderful schools and but in terms of it is interesting to think about the kind of things that are valued in school children. And whether or not if we were setting up the ideal society or we were all living in a way that we'd all really, really like to live, would those qualities that are valued in school? I guess I'm thinking about things like there's a lot of conformity in schools. There tends to be a lot of um, rewards, punishment, kind of manipulation as a bit of a model for, you know, social relationships and interaction. There's a lot of segregation in schools, I think, you know, um, depending on the school, obviously. But when we think about the kinds of qualities that we want that we want in adults, when we think about things like, I guess, school, there's a lot of focus. I know we've talked about this before. You know, there is a lot of a lot of focus on what is the right answer. Whereas when we're thinking about the kinds of adults that we want, I guess we want adults who can cooperate and adults who can be creative and take initiative and um you know, come up with lots of different, (laughs) different ideas, rather than um, being fixated on one right answer. Um, And I guess, problem solving, and, and, you know, I know, we've mentioned this before on the podcast, the thing about how making mistakes can feel really, um, it can be hard in school to make mistakes, you feel like you don't want to make mistakes, whereas in actual fact, as we know, making mistakes is, is a really important part of the learning process and about coming up with creative um solutions for things and moving forward and innovation and all those kinds of things so it is um so it is kind of weird when you think about it like that you know I guess school is great for for socialization into school and and, and environments that might be quite similar to that um you know and I guess you know we all know the connections with the industrial revolution and kind of um yeah a lot of those you mentioned queuing that kind of being able to and being able to to adhere to a timetable (laughs) those kinds of things are, are you know are really useful in some settings but not so great in others so that's an interesting thing to think about
3: I think just quickly just one other thing I would um I guess is a big one is for socialization to be able to um get by in society is consent is a big one isn't it and I think that's one I really struggle with in the sense that you know we talk about consent all the time it's a huge huge problem in today's society and yet unfortunately in school consent is very very limited isn't it and I find that that is something that I find very difficult to, to come to terms with that at such young ages you know uh children can't even consent to use their own bodies at certain times of the day you know they need to go to the toilet or they need a drink or they don't want to learn that today or they don't they just feel a bit rubbish and they don't want to speak in in a really polite way that day that they forgot their manners because they're having a hard time whatever it is um so I find that I think that is a big big issue to me that we you know it is such a worldwide problem and yet it is instilled and it is a massive part of um, socialization in schools, isn't it? So I just wanted to jump in on that one because I think, yeah.
2: Yeah. And if I can follow that, because it's making me think about how there's this high expectation and pressure as well. Um, I was talking to my guys about this just before. Um, the, And obviously not all teachers and all classrooms and all schools would, would do this or, or, or it wouldn't look like this way across the board but this pressure that I think a lot of kids feel the message that they receive in school is that you have to be friends with everyone um and I don't know if maybe I worked in elementary school so like kindergarten to grade eight so I don't know how that would change come high school I'm sure it probably changes quite a bit as they're older but with little ones um you know if it's a birthday party it's very common here anyway where parents tell their child you invite your whole class so nobody's left out and I'm not saying that that's wrong to do, um, but there just seems to be this expectation that you must get along with everyone, um, which just seems like a high expectation and unrealistic expectation. And this idea, I guess, that I think some people, and probably, they probably don't even think about it too much, but this idea that everyone in your, in your grade four class or grade one class is your friend. And I was having a conversation with my guys who are nine and seven about this earlier. And I was asking them, you know, if you were in school, and if you um, had a class of, say, 29 other kids, would they all be your friends? And at first, they said, yeah. And then we got into talking about it. And they were like, well, you know, we got into what is a friend? um, Who are our friends? How many friends do people really have? Um, And we yeah, ideas of how some people are really happy with one or two really good friends. Some people like to Go visit different groups of friends at different times. Um, some people are friends with um, the kids, some of the kids in their class, maybe they have a few good friends, and then they have some hockey buddies. So it was really interesting um, to get into those conversations with them because I do, um, just from being in the school and hearing other parents talk, I guess, is that this there's this idea that when you're, you send your child to school, they have a whole class <laughs> of friends um and this high expectation that you have to um you know i think it's fair to have the expectation to be overly you know to be kind to all your your classmates but who who are your actual friends so just those like messages that young children um receive i think um and maybe that happens in other areas other than school too but i know that's definitely something i saw um, when i was when i was in the schools
0: teaching Yeah I mean I think it's definitely the case isn't it that just because I mean what what school does give you is is a large pool of people to pick from and you know if you're lucky you find people that you gel with but not everybody does and I think that whole um, idea of you're never lonelier than when you're in a crowd can definitely be some people's experience of school not everybody's obviously but it, it that is something that that can definitely happen can't it if you you know if you don't feel like you fit in and you don't find that special friend and there is a lot of um a lot of emphasis on on best friends in school isn't it you know who is your best friend and who are you going to sit next to and who's going to be your partner in in PE and those things matter to kids you know nobody wants to be the last person to be picked or you know I, I remember that experience myself you know it's not nice is it and it so just because there are a lot of people there it's definitely the case isn't it that you're not necessarily going to find um somebody that you feel you know that you really gel with Mm -hmm.
1: and ashley that idea of the whole class being invited is is it just makes me think how um schools and then often parents within schools are doing the best they can with a big difficult situation right so so it is really hard to figure out how to how to do that how to navigate that socially um so it makes sense to me that that seems like the kind thing to do but it also it doesn't help kids learn what they would really like for their birthday or what you know, it's, it's kind of a catch-22. It, it's maybe back to that consent point you made, Kiki, it's, um, it's just very much, well, this is what we do for birthdays. And so if that's kind of the bar that you're looking for, then that, then that's okay. But it doesn't really help us figure out for ourselves over time, what, you know, what's important to us and what are our needs. And yeah, so I, I understand why it happens, but I think it's another example of, Trying to do the best you can within like a larger system. Um, something else that that I had been thinking about is the idea of how how many friends do kids need, and do kids need friends? And I think that that's definitely something that um, it's something that we hear. It's important for kids to have friends, and we kind of have certain ages, I think, in mind, um, Kiki, maybe similar to what you said, around four or five, there, are, there start to be some kind of expectation that you'd be out in the, the bigger world and you start to develop, you know, social skills. And I don't know what it's like in the UK. I know certainly here, a lot of that starts almost in infancy, the idea of, of going to baby groups and toddler groups and, yeah, kind of socializing your toddler or preschooler. Um, but I have noticed it a lot, even in conversations around self-directed education. So sometimes it's like, it's like anything when you're reading about homeschooling or unschooling, sometimes you're hearing, uh, perspectives that actually kind of push up against each other a little bit. So I think we always have to think about what, what rings true for me or what is, what is true for my family. Um, and one of the ones that, that, that I can think of like I really appreciate the work of Dr. Peter Gray. I, I think especially around some of the um, kind of the learning, the way that he describes learning and coming to gain knowledge and skill. I, I have gained so much from his work. Um, something I have noticed in a few different interviews he's done is the idea of um, kind of that age of, I, I, I may be misquoting him, so I want to say that up front, but it's kind of that idea that around age five, it's important to for parents to kind of figure out how to find that outlet outside of the family. Um, similarly, I've you know I've read things from other homeschoolers and unschoolers about the importance of really kind of building that kind of that tribe or that that community of kids, and I think that can be really important. Um, I just don't think it's equally important for everybody, and I think it might not even be equally important for kids in the same family. So I just be curious to see what, you know, what your perspectives are on that and whether you might have even kind of moved in and out of those, those thoughts. Um, I just actually, before I stop, I'll just say that I think early on, it was very important to me because, um, you know, a, a couple of my kids were very extroverted. So it just, it felt like we needed to try to find those connections and i also think that we began homeschooling at a time that it was it was actually a lot more common than i realized but it wasn't common to the people i knew so the idea that we were doing this it helped a lot for those people to know that we had other people that we were doing it alongside so it made it easier, I think, within, you know, friend conversations and extended family conversations for them to know that we did have this kind of outlet, this social community, so to speak, where we would have Valentine's Day parties and we would have hikes together and and co-ops and those kinds of things. And, you know, I was very involved with facilitating and co-facilitating that community for a long time. And I don't have any regrets at all. But I do realize kind of as I started observing my younger two more closely, especially my youngest, that I'm not sure for every personality that that is as necessary as I (laughs) thought it was, or as I was hearing it was. So I think we're all colored by the particular, our own particular situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I can share. I've I've gone in and out of it, um, as you said, Aaron, with, and I've heard those messages too, and I'm a big fan of Dr. Peter Gray's work, um, but I have heard him make, um, yeah, commenting on what you shared, Aaron, about um, young children who, I think he's even said, um, like, unschooling children really... Um, that it's really important for parents to find those outside of the family connections for them and to be with other kids and whatnot and other adults. I think he's even said, and um, I I think that's probably true um, for, for some kids, maybe a lot of kids, maybe most kids, and, or maybe for kids at certain points in their childhood. Um, I can just quickly share that um, I noticed my eldest, really seemed to want to have other kids to play with pretty regularly, like would have made the choice to go out and probably still would make the choice, I think. Um, so this would have been like over a good, over a year and a half ago now where I was like, okay, I need to go out more um, with and meet up other, with other homeschool families. So I really committed to that and it wasn't the easiest thing to do for, you know, just, Pe- you know, getting together with people you don't really know yet and all of that stuff. But we we did that. And we started to go out. I mean, really long story short, we made some friends, we had some positive experiences. But overall, we've stopped with I realized I'm like this, this isn't it. This isn't. Um, this isn't what we were looking for. This isn't filling all of our cups. And I was kind of like, I was like, did we did I do it wrong? <laughs> Where? Why, why is this not working for us? This is what homeschool families do um and I think there was some of that pressure to oh look we meet up with other homeschool kids right there's that pressure to like let other people know that it's okay um and again, we had some positive experiences, and we met some really nice people. But we stopped doing it pretty much completely, and we started finding really looking outside of the box as to okay, there are some needs here for my eldest, who's more extroverted, to connect with other people of various ages. It did def- actually. I would say sometimes he enjoys it more with kids a little bit younger than him, and definitely older. Um, he was really one to like the mixed age thing really works nicely for him. Um, and my youngest who's seven. So it was like five, six at the time. Um, re- he stopped coming out with us. He could, uh, we would plan it on a day that dad was home and I would take my eldest who still wanted to go to these like homeschool meetups at a park or whatever. And he would still want to go. My youngest would just stay home with dad. So that was a real sign to me that I'm like, okay, this really isn't working for you. Um, And we found other ways, which I can share, but I don't want to take up all the time. My point was just that um, I think what you're saying, Erin, it's really true that um, every family needs to find out what those needs are individually, and then how to have those needs met kind of collectively in a way, um, and how it can change over time, and and that there's not one way to do it. There are different ways um and i I can i can get into that later as to how we've done that um because there was a period of where i was like i don't know how else to do it other than to like go follow the other homeschool families in our area that are getting together at this one particular park but there are other ways so that's been helpful to know
3: yeah i can definitely relate to that as well and i think um you know you hear a lot of the podcasts i was listening to it's like if there's not much going on in your area start your own you know i did that and because i felt you know i had to try and meet other you know like minded people and mixed age kids so i did start something sim- well like a nature kind of adventure group and it was i guess when it comes to socialization friendships it's also factoring us as the mothers because I definitely hit a point I think I mean I really struggled with my pregnancy last year but then this year um, I've just felt like I get so overwhelmed by all the different it's so I guess I've started talking to some of my friends who go who do school so not home educators and one of the things that really came through was they said to me "God, the emotional baggage you have with some of these other families is intense and um, I think what I guess it's if your kids go to school, you, like one of my friends, like, I don't even know any of the names of like the kids' parents. I don't, I don't want to know. I'm not interested. I'm not on the WhatsApp groups, and he can be friends with them at school if he really he's got one best friend. He can come and play, but I just can't. I just haven't got the space for. Whereas one of the things I have struggled with, no doubt, is you end up doing this group and then there's all the different mums and the dynamics of that and they're different it's not even necessarily their beliefs or their ways but just the I, I don't know the exhaustion that can come I was just coming away feeling really drained from it and and then likewise now I was looking at my kids like what are they getting out of this and how are they responding to the group and how when we come away how do they feel and it just didn't necessarily feel very positive. And I think I kind of got into this rhythm of trying to build a community. I was so kind of desperate for that, for me and for them. And actually now, like realizing that we're just not there. And like, we don't really, it was just too much and it wasn't really that positive. And, and I think also on the flip side of that, you can really get on well wow with the mums and you really want to meet them because you love like, you know, chatting with somebody else who actually really gets it, but actually the kids don't really gel or they're kind of they have nothing in common and so then you're kind of not really doing it for the right reasons as a you know so now I might meet those mums just for coffee separately and not you know if if we can ever get you know away from the kids um but I know like it's hard sometimes to go out like both my boys want to see other kids um but they don't need to see them every day and I think that's the thing isn't it but I think you can go out and it is hard sometimes because you know I, I'm exhausted and I have to go and kind of make small talk with all these other mums and also I think one of the things I have found definitely challenging I've got a very boisterous older child um, who is like awesome I just like, I'm like always in awe of him his kind of enthusiasm for life and zest for life and he's like a magnet to other kids but I think some of the other mums find him a lot and that has been really hard for me, and I found it really, really upsetting at times the way maybe he's been spoken to, and and then I'm thinking, hold on a minute. The whole point of the, this life is that I want them to be them, and I don't want them to be kind of made to feel that they're, you know, extrovert. Or, I don't know their their outward thinking or their I don't know the way they might respond to things is wrong, um, and I think that again, it's that intensity sometimes that every little like scuffle or um children having a bicker like that I, I found like sometimes the mums parachute in and have to get involved with that and that is a challenge for me because I don't I don't believe that I kind of feel like we need to kind of let them learn as they go and that that kind of unstructured and um, time without that's not adult led um so it's hard to then find those people that get that and and want the same um yeah so I think that it's it's not been easy in that sense definitely I think
1: Kiki I I can I love that so much I can relate to that and I can actually kind of see it I've kind of been on both ends of it where you it's so hard right because you have a group of parents especially when you're first trying to get to know each other and you don't know the dynamics among each other or the kids and that feeling of yeah, kind of people jumping in and maybe trying to direct things. Um, and the flip of that is that I've been with groups of people that you can see things unfolding, and they're just still sitting there chatting. And you're like, Oh, my, okay. And so it, it, it is a lot to think about, right. And sometimes it doesn't even involve just my child, but you can see stuff happening maybe between another couple of kids. And I guess the benefit of school is there's a clarity of who's in charge and with a group of parents and adults who are kind of trying to navigate all that which I mean that's kind of skill building on its own isn't it just trying to figure out how to how to sort of do those pieces and I think ultimately it's good learning for kids but I do think I think you use the word exhausting or maybe I was just <laughs> maybe that's my own thought but it can be like it can be really tiring and I think that I don't know. I think it's been helpful in the past for me to differentiate like what my uh, goal was with an interaction. So if there was something that was just a really good um, thing for my kids, like they were really growing from it and really wanting to connect with a group of kids, then I would sort of, like you're saying, you might not always get along with those particular parents, but, um, not get along. That's not the right word. It's it's just it might take some effort to kind of connect and and make those things flow. And so I think if it felt like it was something that was really important to my kids, I could do that. Like I would sort of say, you know what, this is. I'm not really going here to just for you know form a best friendship. I'm going here because this is meeting the needs of a particular child. But the flip of that is sometimes you can kind of get into things for the sake of them and you know, and so it is a catch-22. I mean, it would be lovely if the exact parents that you connected with also had the kids that connected. The other thing that I would find is there might be a sibling that would connect with another family's sibling, but then the other sibling wouldn't really want to go there with the other sibling. And so it's just a lot to sort through, right? So yeah, I, I think Just kind of being clear sometimes about like, what are my goals here? When I say my goals, I mean, in respecting what my children want and need, but not just kind of socializing just for the sake of socializing. And I think early on, maybe that's what I was doing. I thought, you know, I just need, I need to hang in. I need to kind of find this group of people. Um, And sometimes it can just become,
0: yeah, being out for the sake of being out. I think you said so many interesting things and I relate to so much to uh, so much of what both of you have said I mean I feel very fortunate at the moment because we have a, a lovely home ed community where I am at the moment and we've been home edding for um, what was it 14 years I think 13 14 years and I've seen such a change in terms of I mean wh- one thing I think is that the ed community seemed to be quite mobile so we've had a lot of people who've emigrated gone traveling moved away then there've been kids who've gone back to school and there've been kids you know and people like like happens at school people you know you get your best friend at school and then they move away and then you have to renegotiate things and there were a couple of things that stood out to me from the things that you were saying and one was that you know people say that home ed kids um you know won't be able to learn social ki- social skills because you know some people think they put a lot of emphasis on that um, that home word that and obviously we you know we do sometimes spend a lot of time at home but a lot of the time we're out in the world and the things that you guys have just been saying shows that we do actually bump up against a lot of different people and my experience of homemade groups is very much that there's a diverse group of characters ages experiences temperaments you know, that is, they are definitely getting experiences. Obviously, not all of them are positive, um, you know, but not all of them are going to be negative either. So there's a lot of learning that comes, that comes from that, definitely. Um, and the other thing I was thinking was about this, You, as you rightly said, Kiki, really early on, about how it depends on on the needs of our individual children. And I think connection and relationships are so important but I think it's the quality of those relationships that matter much more than the quantity. And for some kids, the quantity will be important and they want lots and lots of socializing with lots of different people, but then you'll have other kids who really don't want that. And I know, you know what, we've got four children. So over the years, yeah, negotiating that um, somebody wanting to go to a particular home ed group and other people not wanting to, and somebody really getting on with one child in the family and the others really not. And, um yeah and sometimes you gel with the kids sometimes you gel with the parents you know and, and sometimes you have brilliant kind of synchronicity where you your kids get on and you get on with the parents and everything is wonderful and we've been really lucky to have that happen um but but um yeah, what was I saying about the yeah about the the quality of relationships and about seeing what what works for your children and our my experience is is um I guess the beauty of um, unschooling is that thing that we focus on the relationships and we focus on what matters. Um we have that I guess we have that communication with our children. And I know as my eldest two got older and when it got into teenage years and um and things changed, people moved away, some of their kids went some of their friends went back to school. Um, for one of them, we did get to a point where she um felt that she needed more Um, social contact than she was having and when that happened you know we were able to talk about that and it wasn't all nice talking some of it was her being very upset and and sad and you know there were a lot of feelings to work through but but we were able to take steps to kind of remedy that when it happened and she actually took a lot of initiative she found a group that she wanted to to join and then we did you know I phoned them up so saw whether or not she could join she found a a part-time job you know there were things that that happened which makes me think about I guess how as adults we make friends and you know we make friends through through natural experiences of life don't we like joining I don't know if you're into singing and you join a choir or you're into a particular sport and you join a football team or you um, yeah you get you get a job and you find friends through that and not everybody's going to be your cup of tea but there are so many different ways that that we find friendships and a social life aren't they
3: yeah and, and also age I was just going to say that that my um my boys like love hanging out with some of our neighbors who are like one of them's 97 one of them I don't know how old she is I won't say but she's in her 40s I think <laughs> um and they just love hanging out but it's not it's almost like that you know you can only have be socialized with kids of the same age. And that isn't the case at all. Like they get so much from those, those kind of moments of, you know, having a, we invite people, our neighbors for a cup of tea and our poetry tea time and we chat, you know, and it's like, it, they will often ask, can we ask one of our neighbors to come to that? And they don't, it's not, we actually do that at the end. We could ask them after school. We have done in the past, but they love the adults coming to experience that with us and to share their baking and, and the, you know, the conversations so I think that's another thing as well, isn't it, that we don't always like, like in the workplace. You, you know, I've got friends of all different ages, and it's no different to kids. But kids mostly, um, you know, they they don't get those opportunities, and not it's not even a, a an option.
0: Yeah, that that is interesting, and there's. I think I spoke about this before, but my, I mean, in terms of children, my friend um, used to run a nursery. And in the UK years ago, the nurseries used to be run along family kind of uh, a family style. So a nursery worker would have allocated a little group of children and, you know, maybe they'd have one baby and then they'd have a one year old and a couple of two year olds. And, and they'd basically have a, a span of different ages in their little group that they were responsible for Um And more recently, nurseries in the UK are much more, they have a baby room and then there's, you know, each worker is responsible for a specific age group. And obviously that's a lot to do. You know, that's how it works in schools, apart from sometimes in we live in a very rural area. So we have a lot of very small schools around here where there might be. um, I can't think how many years there are in primary school, but say there are six different year groups and there might only be one class. (laughs) Um, So in that case, they're going to be different ages together. But I remember my friend reflecting on how sad she was when the family kind of culture went out of nurseries, because she felt that worked so well that the children got experiences of being helpful and being helped. And they kind of had different, they were able to be the role model, and they were able to look up to the older kids that were their role models. And it, it is an interesting thing in schools where everybody obviously is developing at a different rate but it is kind of funny that you put all the kids at the same age together that may actually be dealing with a lot of the same emotional communication issues um, <laughs> which you know whereas if they perhaps had a wider age span then they can learn from each other and they can get the experience of being more of a, a leader and and helping other kids to problem solve those kinds of things um but that's you know that's not how how it works in schools is it we don't um we split people up into their age groups and hope that they're going to get on mm-hmm.
1: um well so there's something there Haley. and then before I just before I forget um Kiki you had mentioned I think you said your neighbor's 97 did I get that right yeah and it's interesting, I kind of put this question out to um, the online community that I'm, that I'm part of the unschooling together. And just, just recently, so I didn't get much time to get feedback, but a couple people gave feedback. And one of the people said, you know, when they think of socialization, what they think of is um, those social norms within a particular, you know, culture, but even your family within the culture. So, you know, kind of supporting kids and navigating things like weddings and funerals and births of babies. And, you know, I can't remember the exact examples, but like a new family moving into the neighborhood could be an example. So what are those, just those social norms in our society? And it's not about kids behaving perfectly (laughs) while they're at a funeral or a wedding, but just having the time to um, be part of those things and to talk a little bit about them beforehand and maybe debrief, you know, afterward, I just think, so I think back to that idea of time that I often talk about just having, yeah, just kind of having that span of time that when we come into these sort of normal, saying normal, typical cultural events, we have a bit of time to, yeah, lead up to them, wind down from them, really be present at them. And so I thought that was an interesting way to think about socialization as well. And it just, yeah, that can be such a range of agents. And it's probably important that it is um, in our normal communities. And then I was just thinking um, to that idea, like, Kaylee, that's interesting to me that it doesn't sound like that long ago then that, that there was some nurseries set up in those more natural kind of like multi-age. I mean, I know they were all young kids, but still to have a range of ages like that. And I, you know, I think about how when something becomes a law or something becomes common, everybody assumes it's necessary. So like in our province, so for example, even myself, when I went to kindergarten, I didn't go until I was five. We only had kindergarten. We didn't have two years of kindergarten. We just had one. And I just went in the afternoons. So for me, when I was five. I was there from about, I don't know, maybe like 1245 to 315 or something like that. It wasn't a huge day. Um, By the time my son was born, not only was kindergarten, no, not by the time he was born, but by the time he was around that age, not only was it all day, but there was a whole other year below it, junior kindergarten, which started at like some kids were three, three or four, and that was full day as well. And I can remember people saying, um, they were talking about another family who had chosen not to do this junior kindergarten year. And they said, well, you know, i consider that for my child, but I really don't want them to be behind in that sort of school routine and social piece. And I can remember saying to them, but your older child wouldn't have gone to junior kindergarten because it wasn't in that area yet. And they're like, well, I know, but you know, and it it, it was, it was just like, it's the idea that they have to keep up with what's happening in, in the current law or the current kind of social norm. And I often think about the fact that like for my mom, she wouldn't have gone to school until grade one. There was no kindergarten at all. And she was born at the beginning of the year. So she would have been six and a half by the time she attended school, which is about two and a half years older than a lot of people in our province now. And I also think it was at a time where there weren't all these different groups, she wouldn't have gone to a parent and taught group or a, you know, any of those. She would have just been home with her mom and her grandma and her aunts. And then when she was six and a half, she would have gone to school. And I'm sure there, I mean, I I don't know. I, I can't really compare those two experiences, except to say she was certainly able to 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 become socialized so it's just funny how when laws change and social norms change we begin to assume that that's necessary even though only a generation earlier it, it wasn't even a possibility
3: well it's the same with them um, dogs we have to socialize the socialization of parties and classes for dogs I mean like it's just everyone's obsessed but I just wanted to go back to you saying about time and Ashley said earlier about um kind of finding yourself and understanding yourself and I'm real big believer in that and it's having the time gifting our children that time to have the downtime where they can really explore their inner minds and work through in their minds like situations that or that experiences that might have happened you know that day or that week and to kind of process that and to kind of, you know, play with that in their mind. Have Having that time, because so many kids don't, do they? And then having the time to come and discuss it with us. Or for us to be so connected that we know that they clearly need to talk about something. Or we know we picked up on something earlier on in that day that we can kind of come back to. And really kind of discuss that our kind of, that, you know, their feelings around that and the emotions and things and how to then replay those experiences and and work out how they can you know next time maybe do things differently or they could have said things in a different way or somebody else might have been having a bad day whatever it is it is that is a big part of it as well isn't it and it's that again i think i can't remember i'm sorry if it's Erin or hayley who said it is that i think it was you hayley kids are putting at the same age and they're when they developmentally don't know, like they're expected to learn from each other, and they simply don't have that. De- developmentally, they don't they don't have it yet. Let alone kind of experience wise. And it's similar. I think Gabor Mati. I think I was reading something about him where he was saying, you know, I think it might have even been the um, hold on to your kids. um I can't remember to be honest. I read so much, I never remember where it all comes from. But um and saying how our teens, you know, it is the norm. Like you say, er, now that teams are kind of rearing each other and they don't have any wisdom about certain experiences or, you know, they're so disconnected from those older kind of um, ages and it's all, they're kind of, kind of learning from each other, but they don't know, they haven't got enough experience to learn from certain things. So I think it's a similar thing in that sense. And that is, it's you know I think there's a big thing at the moment coming out over here about the you know boys and sex education for example and the how young children as young as 10 are are seeing pornography and like that because they're sharing it with each other on phones or whatever and, and their parents aren't even aware of this so whilst I'm not naive to those things go on but being able to actually have those connection with our kids hopefully maybe this is wishful thinking but we can then say okay you've seen that and have those conversations around that and they're not just learning what that means from their friends I mean we've recently just got back from holiday and our kids were off all over the shop with all these other kids which was wonderful I couldn't believe how my youngest in particular had all this confidence he's like see you see you and we're like whoa whoa, whoa where are you going?" you know we, it was a bit and we were a bit they were hanging out with older kids which is great but then I suddenly thought, God, I was reading this article while on, like, the sunbed about these kids, of off and I was like, they're often 12, 14-year-olds, that, you know, they could be showing them something. I was like, oh, my God, what are we doing here? You know, it's so it's like, I guess, yeah, just being mindful of, um, I don't know, just the importance of, uh, I think, what we've lost in society is that, that I guess, it's not uncool to hang out with your older uncles or your, your mum or the older neighbours. You know, we can gain so much from that. And perhaps if that was more embedded in society, how, how important that is. Instead of all this time with just our same age kids, whether it's, you know, before school clubs and then at school and then after school clubs. Where is the time for that multigenerational kind of um, connections, I guess, to learn from that?
2: Yeah. And I think that's really, really important to think about because going way back to the beginning, Aaron, you were mentioning bullying. And it's actually funny because um, my youngest, one reason he will give if he's asked why he doesn't want to go to school is because he is convinced he'll have a bully. And that comes from a number of different things, from stories my older son shared about his experience at school because he did have trouble with one little boy. Um, but also, it's very normalized. So it's in the books that they read. It's in the shows that they watch. They hear other kids talk about it. So when he thinks that, that and actually, the other thing that's normalized is um, unkind, mean, scary teachers in media. That's a big thing, too. So for a little guy who's not gone to school, <laughs> he'll he'll tell you that um, those are reasons why, some of the reasons why he doesn't want to go. Um, but I really think... I mean, I I wouldn't go as far as saying that bullies wouldn't exist or that bullying wouldn't happen anymore. But in school, if children were given the opportunity to build connections and relationships across ages, I think a couple different things would happen. One, um there would just be more opportunity for kids to connect with other like-minded kids for lack of putting it in a better way, like just other, because if you're in a class with, I just say, you know, a class size of say 30, like we already said, you're kind of lucky if you find a really good friend in that group of kids. And if you don't, you really don't have, at least where we live, a lot of opportunity to spend much time with any other kids. I mean, uh, probably about less than 40 minutes a day I would say where we live where you would maybe get to cross paths with someone else and spend some time with um so if there was more and I hear that actually that I hear the teachers really talk about how much they love it and how great it is when every once in a while they'll do like um I don't know I, the last time I was in a school I remember I was teaching and there the grade eight, eight class I was with were reading buddies with the kindergarten class so it was a huge age gap um and the teachers and the, the educational assistant that were there, they're just going on about like all the good, positive things like the great, you know, there were a couple of grade eights in that class that really just struggled and had a hard time at school. And they, the teachers were talking about how they just shine in these moments when they're with the kindergarten reading buddies. And I remember asking how this is great. And I knew that this was something like reading buddies is... I. I'd seen that quite a bit before in the schools. So I said, like, how often do you guys do this? Because I'm thinking like it's such a great thing, right? You must be trying. And they said, and I can't remember what time of the year it was, but I was surprised. They said, oh, this is the first time we've been able to fit it in this year, this school year. And I thought, oh, so like, even though they see the positives of mixing the ages and mixing the grades and bringing the kids together, this system is just not really built to support those um, things coming together. And I mean, we need a lot more mixing up than just 20 minutes as reading buddies. But I think like having, you know, um, a younger student have a couple older friends um, and the older kids having opportunities to get to know the younger kids, um, I think would really help when it comes to things like bullying, because there would just be more connections and more relationships. Um, and I think the other thing, um, oh, I'm losing my train of thought. There's one other thing I was thinking about. Oh, I think it was just along the lines of kids having more opportunities to find someone, maybe a grade younger or a grade or two older that they connect with. And I think we all know, like, when I explain to my younger guy about bullies, because he has a lot of questions about bullies and why people bully, and he just thinks they're horrible children. And I, we get into questions like, why do you think these kids... Bully at school, and I get into they don't feel safe at school; they maybe haven't had the opportunity to make a good friend at school, and we go in i mean there's all the different reasons, right, but I think mixing up the ages would just create such a more positive environment, and I think we always point this stuff out. it's not to say it would be perfect and that there would be no issues anymore, but I just think there's a couple of really good things that I could clearly see would help in a lot of those ways Um, in building more of a community and I see that in the schools they're always talking about our classroom is a community our school is a community so the teachers in there and the adults in there that's what they want they want to provide a space for the kids to be in that feels like community but when you segregate them even just by age and they're segregated more than by age um, I think it's I mean, I don't want to say it's impossible to do, and there can certainly be different times that it feels like there's community, but I don't know that they can really build um, more of like an authentic community, which I think would be really great.
0: I think as humans, we have a need for a purpose, don't we? We need to be needed. That's something that can really, you know, really help us. If we feel like, if we feel like nobody needs us and we've got no purpose in life, then you know, that is not a good place to be, is it? And I think when when often, when, um, I mean, we had a really idyllic home ed day yesterday and they are not all like this at all, but we had a park meet yesterday afternoon where we had, well, it was at least 10 kids and they ranged from, four, I think she was 14 the eldest down to a little one waddling around in a nappy. And they were, you know, the ages were spread out um, in that range and they they were playing, it was beautiful weather here they all played together for hours and they were playing all kinds of team games like capture the flag and I don't know, cops and robbers and all sorts of things. And then there was also a lot of time where they were just hanging out on the playground equipment and the bigger ones were helping the little, you know, the little ones were trying to do what the bigger ones were doing. And there was a lot of, you know, even quite small kids helping the smaller kids. And, and that, that is, I think that's really lovely for building your character, isn't it? To, to see, to feel like like you have been able to help somebody else is a really powerful feeling isn't it and it you know and it, it you know those, those meets are not like like you know we've alluded to already those meets are not don't always happen like that but sometimes they do and it's just you know and it is really lovely when that happens and it just shows you that um yeah kids don't have to get on with kids that are the, the same age and there's so much they get from being with other people of different ages definitely and this ends our conversation today we hope you found it interesting and helpful if you'd like to connect further or see additional content erin can be found on the web and on instagram at EverLearning. ashley can be found on instagram at ashley as mama and storytime shells and i hayley can be found on the web and on instagram at taking a kinder path We'd love it if you'd share this conversation with anyone you think might like it. And if you've enjoyed this episode, maybe you'd consider leaving us a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We're so grateful you made time in your day to listen to us chat. Thanks so much for listening.